Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Burquist. Today, I wanted to talk to everybody about commercial real estate. I wanted to get everyone an update on kind of what's going on in the market, and hopefully people will find this informative. So please hang out as we kind of go through. I'm going I'm to break down the different uh, real estate segments and then, like I said, get you to kind of a point where hopefully you're caught up with everything. So hopefully hang out to the end of the video to see what you think about this. So uh, first thing, I just want to do a, a very quick explanation. So when I talk about commercial real estate, what am I talking about? Well, commercial real estate has four main segments to it. You have the commercial office market. You have the commercial retail market. You have the commercial industrial market i.e. industrial real estate. And then you have the multifamily market, apartment buildings. Um, those are the four main components of commercial real estate. There is one other one that I would describe as mixed use properties. Now, what is a mixed use property? Well, a mixed use property usually has some component between two of those major four categories, usually uh, apartment and, you know, usually either, either office or uh, retail space are usually combined. Like in other words, in, in a lot of the downtown areas uh, of major cities in the United States, you might find a lot of buildings that have retail on the first floor and apartments above them. Um, or you're starting to see uh, certain types of buildings constructed today that might be a mixture of, you know, like retail on the first floor, uh, maybe an apartment, maybe, an, I'm sorry, maybe a hotel that might be on the, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth floors. And then on the seventh floor through the 15th floor, you've got apartment building, you've got apartment units. Uh, mixed use properties could also be what I would call uh, smaller main street properties. Like in other words, if you have a main street in your neighborhood, maybe you've got houses uh, that have been converted into small office properties over time. Like in other words, uh, maybe maybe you had a property that a uh, an insurance broker or a doctor purchased and maybe they turned the first floor of that building into their office and maybe they converted the top floor or top couple floors into apartments so maybe you got one or two apartments above it so that would be an example of uh, again another example of, of what i mean when i'm talking about a mixed-use property so let's get into what's going on in these different sectors so right now in in the retail sector i think You've got a, a situation where retail properties can be very hit or miss. If you've got a very nice retail property in a great location, if it has what's called an anchor tenant, in other words, you, usually the anchor tenant would either be a um, food store or it could potentially be some kind of like a fast food restaurant, like a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A, something of that nature. But uh, generally your major food stores, you know, your Albertsons, uh, in my, and, and again, in, in the kind of the Philadelphia area, we have like the Acme, we have giant, um, I'm, I'm laughing about that. Cause we say, cause we, in the, in, in the Philly words, we have the, the Acme, <laughs> it's a uh, funny thing, but, but I, I digress. Um, uh, but in, in other parts of the country, I mean, you might have food lion, you might have Publix, you might have some of these other major food stores that are out there. And, uh, those are basically the food stores that would be your anchor tenant for a shopping center per se. So if you have that, uh, then you're probably in a shopping center. That's probably pretty stable, probably sees good traffic count coming in and out, uh, probably has a good base of tenants that have been there for a long period of time. If you have a smaller retail property, say it's kind of a little bit off the beaten path, or maybe it's not in a, a major market, maybe it's kind of just outside a major market, say it's a, anywhere from like a six to 10 unit kind of classic retail strip center, it'd just be like a you know straight kind of a straight line of units, 
uh, facing the street and, you know, you've got those units in there. Well, if you've got a lot of, um, like say mom and pop operators in that, in that retail space, um, you know, that could, that might be a little spotty, might be a little hit or miss. I think, I think it really depends on the strength of the mom and pops, how long they've been there, um, what type of businesses they have, what kind of mixture of, of companies you have occupying that space. And, and then, and also uh, the demographics of the area, you know, are the demographics changing? Are they growing, contracting, you know, what's kind of, what's kind of happened there. So I think the retail sector is a little, a little hit or miss right now in the, industrial space center. Uh, so industrial space right now, I think based on, on numbers and things that I've seen, um, they seems to be pretty solid. Uh, there's a lot of questions right now is, are we, are we seeing an overbuilding right now of industrial space? That's not going to get absorbed into the market. Well, maybe so far we haven't really seen that. Uh, however, what I would tell people is to keep an eye on the really large industrial properties. And I'm talking about the, the anywhere from 500,000 to a million plus square feet type properties. Cause I mean, we've really seen a pullback from Amazon in the last year or so as, as they basically said, you know what, during the pandemic, things really took off, but now that's kind of really slowing down. So you've seen Amazon the, the, you know, being committed to a number of different properties around the country where they've kind of pulled back on that. However, I would say, you know, your smaller industrial properties are probably going to be just fine. If you've got a space that's under 100,000 square feet, probably not going to have much of a problem finding a tenant uh, for that property right now. I mean, it just seems to be a, a, a huge demand for, for those type of smaller industrial properties out there in the market still. Uh, even despite higher interest rates and things of that nature. But but I would say I would add a caveat that, you know, there has been a little bit of a slowdown in that uh, in that in that segment of the market. But not but like I said, nothing to nothing that would cause major harm or or, or be a, a big worry at the moment. Um, what are the other segments, the apartment segment? So we we've seen kind of this um, giant buildup in the apartment industry over the last couple of years, you know, during the pandemic, uh, major flight, you know, all of a sudden everybody shifted gears and said, Hey, we, we really don't want to be building office space. We don't want to build retail space, but we, we want apartments. So we want to go heavy into apartments. So you've seen a ton of apartment building across the country right now, uh, still have a ton of apartments that are scheduled to come into the market. So you just, so there's a lot of apartment units that have yet to come in that will come in in the next year or two that have to be absorbed within the marketplace. Um, but the, I think one of the big keys there is rent. Like, can't, you know, we saw a huge run up in rental income from a lot of apartment property operators over the last couple of years, you know, rents really went through the roof. Uh, it looks like for all intents and purposes that that has kind of peaked for the time being that, you know, you saw this huge increase in rents over the last three years. Um, now we've not, now we've kind of gotten to a point where, you know, I don't think it's so in other words, I'll put, I'll put, I'll phrase it this way. If you're an investor and you're out there in the market and you're looking to buy an apartment property, I don't think you can really make the case that, oh, okay, well, I'm going to buy this property. And if rents are already at kind of market, peak or, or the top of the market, you're not going to be able to go in there and say, oh, I can add value by increasing the rents on all the tenants. Like that's, that's probably just, that's probably not going to happen. Um, 
So I think as as a, a real estate investor out there, you've really got to be taking a hard look. I mean, if you're out there looking to buy apartment properties, you got to take a really hard look at that rent roll and look at the expenses that are that are associated with that property. I mean, as we've all seen, I mean, expenses are, are really going up kind of across the board. I mean, you're seeing insurance expense go up, utility expense go up, uh, property tax expenses going up, you know, interest rates are going up. So that's causing, you know, you know, higher, uh, much higher. Uh, mortgage payments. So I've, I think you have to take a lot of that in account. You've really got to crunch the numbers on the rent roll, really got to look at the expenses associated with that. Um, overall, though, I would say I think that the apartment market is probably going to remain stable for the foreseeable future, uh, unless we have kind of a, a collapse of the the labor market, uh, which, yeah, yeah the, the la I don't, I'll put it this way. I don't think the labor market is going to be as strong going forward as it has been the last few years. I do think we're going to start to see a slowdown in the labor market. Uh, I think we might even see some months where you know, that the, the growth of jobs actually goes negative in the next, you know, six to 12 months, but, but we'll see, we'll see how that's playing out. But for the most part, uh, I think apartment properties are very stable right now. You're still getting very good rents and things are going really good. If you've, if you've owned properties for, for a long time, or if you, you know, you bought properties before, I would say 2022, uh, you're probably sitting in a, in a pretty good situation right now. Your rents, you know, your rent rolls strong, your rents are pretty stable, things are good. So so that's kind of my take on the apartment market. Now, here's the big one, the commercial office space. A lot of interesting things going on with commercial office space. Obviously, you have the whole remote work situation where a lot of the major corporations in America sent people home, had them working remotely during the pandemic. Now that the pandemic's over, trying to get people back to work. A lot of companies have basically said, nah, I really don't want to go back to work. I'm, I'm kind of happy working from home. Um, they're finding that that has worked for the most part for them. Um, I have some questions on that because I, I, I find the whole work remote, the whole remote work phenomenon to be a very interesting thing that's happened recently. And I, I'm probably going to do a podcast episode just on remote work because I have a lot of thoughts and ideas about how that ultimately affects the culture of your company um, and, and how that works, you know, onboarding, offboarding, uh, the corporate culture. So that's that's something I really want to dive into. But and I don't want to get too off off point on that. Uh, but what you're having here is you've got commercial office space and a lot of companies are basically saying, hey, we're paying a lot of money for this commercial office space for space that we really don't need anymore. So can we downgrade this space? You know, not, I mean, not that they're not that they're not going to have any office space anymore. They're just looking to downgrade. So in other words, for example, say you're uh, you're a business, you've got uh, I don't know, we'll say you've got 300 employees and you have rented 150,000 square feet of office space. Well, you might wake up one morning and just sit there and go, hey, you know what? We, we don't need 150,000 square feet. We just need 75,000 square feet. So as soon as your lease is up, maybe you've got two years left on the lease and then you know, you're going to sit there and you're already reaching out to the landlord saying, hey, man, in two years, uh, we're not going to need all this space. So we're going to look to downsize. If you can, if we could downsize us in the building where we're at, that's great. If not, then we're going to go, you know, move to a space down the street, uh, which we think might be better. Um, so as a result of that, you know, a lot of landlords out there right now, their, their, their rent rolls, as you were, are, are really starting to see some problems because they're having a lot of tenants move out. They're having a lot of tenants downsize. 
And what happens with commercial real estate is, is commercial real estate, the value of it is, is really driven by the strength of the rent roll for that particular property. So when you start losing tenants, if you lose more than five or 10% of your tenant base, the value of that property can really dive, can really go down. And so as a result, uh, landlords, they get to a point where they go, you know what, Ugh, if this uh, if this property, if, I lost, if I've lost 40 or 50% of my renters uh, and this property is no longer cash flowing and they can't make their payments on the mortgage payment to the bank, a lot of times they're just kind of wiping their hands with it and go and going, Hey man, I'm done. Hand the keys back to the bank and let the bank, let the bank deal with it. Um, so, you know, so that's, and that's generally what happens. And then, and then the, you know, then the property gets put into receivership. Um, and then you, you might, you might have a, a what's called a special servicer come out and, and service the property on behalf of the bank. Uh, and then kind of go from there and, and then see if they can, what's called dispose of the asset, you know, in other words, just sell, sell the asset, whether they, do that as a private sale or through an auction or whatever. But uh, let me just run through a couple articles here real quick. Uh, so I had an article here on just, you know, where distressed commercial real estate loans are piling up. And it basically goes into showing um, the top, I think the top three markets right now are Chicago, Denver, Philadelphia, and San Francisco and Houston to round out the top five. Uh, Chicago is really seeing a huge amount of distressed commercial office space uh, you know, Denver, not too far behind it. And then you kind of have Philadelphia, San Francisco and Houston are all about right in the mix there. Then you kind of got Washington, D.C. and New York following steady behind there. Um, we just saw an instance. Uh, so some office markets may be close to bottoming out while others are showing more cracks. And again, kind of covering the same areas that the other article covered, basically saying, yeah, San Francisco's got continued issues. You know, Chicago's got continued issues. But uh, some of the issues might, you know, pot potentially be stabilizing, like, you know, Miami, Phoenix, Austin, Texas, places like that. Um, then we got, you know, investor activity slides amid a more challenging housing market. So this basically talks about how investor uh, activity, like in other words, if you're, if you're a real estate investor looking to buy investment properties, if you're looking to flip houses, then that activity has dramatically slowed. Like, I mean, slowed to a crawl, like slowed to... A point where you know we haven't seen in probably you know 12 or 12 or 13 years so um and then we had and then here's a, a, another interesting one so construction firm site labor as the biggest challenge despite the slowdown in housing starts so in other words for for home builders residential home builders uh they're basically saying that 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 one of the biggest problems that they have right now is they just can't find the labor they can't find the labor to build a lot of these houses they can't find the labor that has the skill to perform a lot of the tasks they need when building a house. Um, you know, certain aspects of residential home building is very specialized. So, and you need people that know what they're doing to, to help you build these, these projects. So, so that's basically my update. That's my update right now on, on commercial real estate. So just to kind of recap that real quick. So residential uh, retail, Commercial real estate's probably a little spotty. Industrials holding up fine for the moment. Apartment properties are holding holding up fine for the mar uh, for the moment. The real problem zone right now is in is in commercial office space, and that's the area that that we all need to keep an eye on and kind of see what happens and how that continues to unfold and play out over the next year. I will tell you that one of the big things is that a lot of the commercial real estate debt is going to reprice in the next year or two. What does that mean? So commercial mortgages work very differently from 
a residential mortgage. Residential mortgage, you know, you might get a mortgage for 30 years as a 30 year fixed rate and off you go. Commercial mortgages do not work like that. Commercial worker, commercial mortgages typically could have a, a five, seven, 10 year uh, repayment period. And it could, the loan would be based on maybe a 25 or 30 year amortization. So after, you know, after, you know, five, seven, 10 year period of time, that loan is going to mature. And then it needs to be, it need the interest rate needs to be reset. The loan needs to be re renewed for another period, another five, five, 10 year period. And can, you know, continues on the same amortization, but you're, you've, but that, that debt gets repriced. And, and I could have a whole conversation on why that is or why that happens. But, uh, but basically the, the point is, is that that debt's going to come up uh, for repricing very soon. And that, that repricing at the higher interest rates is going to have an impact on the landlord, the owner operator's cash flow. And the, the cash flow is definitely going to, going to take, is going to, is going to be impacted by this. And the question is, what is the extent of that impact? Are they able to afford this or not afford it or whatever? But we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that and continue to see what happens. So uh, if you like what I said today in this commercial real estate update, I would just ask everybody, please like, subscribe and share the podcast. That always helps us out. Uh, I will have some other episodes coming up real soon. I've got a couple book reviews that I've been working on that I, I really want to roll out that I'm hoping uh, people will enjoy. Um, also have uh, kind of an economic update video that's going to be coming out here real soon. I'm just going to run through a whole bunch of economic indicators and just kind of let people know here's where we're at right now and here's where we're going in the future. So keep an eye out for that. But uh, please, uh, please leave a comment uh, in the in the comments below if you have if you have any thoughts on on what you think is happening with commercial real estate or or what you think how this thing might play out over the next uh, six to twelve months. But uh, but like I said, other than that, I hope everyone has a great day and hope to see you again real soon. Thank you so much.